You are listening to a podcast from The National. A slap on the wrists or a sign of things to come? A $5 billion fine for Facebook over its failure to ensure the privacy of its users' data has divided opinion. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National's newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. We'll get to Facebook and its record fine a little later, as well as discussing what China's latest economic data really tells us. But first, here are the other stories you need to know about from the national.ae. Amid a slowing global economy impacted by the constraints of trade standoffs, the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, or ADIA, said its 30-year annualized rate of return at the end of 2018 reached 6.5%, while its 20-year annualized rate of return came in at 5.4%. British private equity firm Actis has acquired the rights to manage two funds previously run by the now-defunct buyout firm Abraj. And Boeing's 737 MAX jet may remain grounded until 2020 as the US plane maker works on fixing its problematic flight control software. Full coverage of all those stories at thenational.ae. Uh, welcome to Chris Nelson and Kelsey Warner, Assistant Business Editors. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Chewy stuff this week. So US regulators have endorsed an approximate $5 billion, that's 18.3 billion dirhams, privacy settlement with Facebook to resolve the Cambridge Analytica data scandal. But not everyone's essentially feeling that this is going to have any lasting impact on uh, Facebook's efforts and perhaps wider big tech uh, to really ensure that the data that they harvest, you know, every minute, every day is going to be protected properly, right? Sure. And $5 billion in the scale, grand scheme of things for Facebook, which had already put $3 billion into its piggy bank to ensure that it had saved up enough once the FTC came down. Yeah, I think the uh, public opinion is this looks like a slap on the wrist. And the question is, will uh, the biggest social media company in the world be able to write itself and really learn a lesson from from this fine? Chris, um, as Kelsey alludes to, this has been a process. It's not just come out of the blue. We've known that Facebook has been in the sights of, of not just U.S. regulators, but elsewhere in the world because of, of the, the just literally the scale of their mm. operation and what they've impacted. And particularly, you know, the Cambridge Analytica scandal was related to the harvesting of data by a third party researcher. And that this data was then used um, for election uh, voter insight, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, so it was basically like your great aunt's uh, Facebook quiz that you would see on your newsfeed that users by the hundreds of thousands clicked into, took these uh, Facebook quizzes, and then Cambridge Analytica called those results for voter insight that then campaigns in the United States paid for, for, you know, voter data that was kind of misbegotten. Uh, and Facebook kind of knew that, uh, Cambridge Analytica had access to this type of insight, and it wasn't being fully disclosed to users. Um, so major ethical uh, gray area that really had a material impact on where we are now in terms of, yeah, we now have, you know, maybe perhaps a different president than we would have had Cambridge Analytica not um, gotten involved. I think um, from the point of view of will it hurt um, uh, Facebook, I think uh, I think it probably will. Um, there are uh, 
situations in Europe. There have been murmurings for a while uh, of a tech tax. France has actually come out and said it will uh, tax uh, tech companies at 3% retroactive from the start of 2019 for uh, firms with more than 25 million euros in French revenue uh, or 750 million uh, worldwide, which of course takes in the likes of Facebook and uh, and Google and others. Um, I think that whilst it's it's not a huge amount in itself, I think this adds to this rolling sort of momentum of uh, general fear that these companies are in fact too big um, and you know we'll talk about Libra in a little bit and I think regulators are now getting to the point where it's an it's an easy win for France anyway you know they can they can say yeah we're going to tax uh, Facebook um, because they're too big and you know we can we can do that and get away with it and given the, the public perception of Facebook at the moment um, everybody in France is going to go yes absolutely so we should and the UK apparently mulling it as well Although the French did push for a EU-wide tax on tech, uh, tech companies earlier this year, which didn't really raise much um, much interest, but I, th- I think it's it's indicative of the t- of the general shift in in how these companies were, you know, seen as, a, as the, the the bright light of the future and everything was magnificent, and just assuming that they were to be trusted was was seemed how it used to be, you know, ten years ago, and I think. Slowly, regulators are waking up to the fact that a they can tax them and not lose anything uh, in their own the way they're, they're looked at themselves, um, and b there is a serious need to have more control over what they do and how they do it than there perhaps was before. Yeah, I mean, what I wonder though is uh, we seem to be getting the sense that these huge tech companies have sort of limited, limitless resources, and so now regulators and politicians and even Facebook users, Google users, starting to bandy about this idea of, okay, what can we get out of them since they seem to be taking so much from us on a daily basis? Um, and so I don't, I would be curious sort of to get a sense of scale on what these resources are. You know, I don't necessarily think a tax is a very compelling way to bring companies into line or, you know, I don't think that will necessarily change behavior. It might be a interesting revenue stream for some countries. But um, as a behavior changer, uh, I really wonder what it's going to take to get the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world to um, decide to really change the rules. Well, on that point, um, you know, you could argue on the one side that a tax is almost like, well, we're giving up changing the way they behave. So let's just make some money out of it. Yeah. But also Zuckerberg himself, you could argue he's played it really well. If you think about the period of time when you know he had to go and, and do his congressional testimony and he was in the focus and you've mm-hmm. mentioned how you know there was wired magazine cover of him being beaten up right the um, beaten up wired magazine cover which i think was actually nominated for some cover award uh for being so evocative uh last year um he uh, yeah he suited up he put on his tie he went down to congress it was a very damning uh image of you know the guy who's otherwise in a hoodie um kind of being held accountable but uh what they're really grappling is with is what do the new rules look like? What scale do they need to be at? Um, and then how do they get communicated both to consumers and regulators to get everyone to understand that they they are going to change their tune? Well, in the meanwhile, we're getting still daily, weekly headlines um, over you know more data mining being done by these social media giants. And uh, you know, 
our privacy still not really being taken seriously. I, mean, I wonder if they, 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 Zuckerberg might, um, and I'm speculating here, but you, you expect a lot of these deals, uh, there's a lot of negotiation. Um, they're they're going to accept this $5 billion fine. Um, it, they might see this as a win. As you're saying, they're putting money away for, for a rainy day in case it happens. And it does happen. And perhaps the regulators will think it's a win for them because not only do they look like they've, they've you know, taken a big bite out of, um, of Facebook, but also as a deterrent for other other companies to make sure that they protect users' data. But also, it could also be seen as maybe a ferric victory for, for Zuckerberg because it also is now, as you, you mentioned, Chris, about the naivety. We used to have naivety of the, these companies wouldn't you know, take us for a ride and Google's don't be evil, don't do evil. You know, don't be evil, yeah. Don't be evil. And, and now we know that actually big tech, their, their mantra is not that. <laughs> No. Take what yeah. you can while they're not looking. Exactly. exactly yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, you met, you you touch upon Libra, and we'll talk about that mm. now. I guess is that with Facebook's digital currency plans, Steve Mnuchin, the US, U.S. Treasury Secretary, came out and said, "We won't let this happen until we're 100 percent sure." Well, so this is the new mantras like we don't trust you anymore, Facebook. Mm. That's mm. all well and fine. Okay, true. but I just briefly, if we can go back, FTC. I mean, the vote was three to two, with Democrats screaming at the top of their lungs. How before we find them, how are we going to hold them accountable? And Republicans said, "We'll deal with that later. First, let's just bill them." So um, sure, the fine's been slapped. Mnuchin came out, and you know now we're doing press conferences on how we're holding them accountable. But so far. Uh, that decision didn't actually lead to any tangible outcomes from a policy perspective. Um, it still remains to be seen, you know, how do we hold the powerful accountable at these big tech companies? Uh, and Libra is now uh, just the living example of how we're holding them accountable. I think, though, um, the way that uh, David Marcus, who's the head of um, the digital wallet uh, and um, blockchain efforts at, uh, uh, behind Libra, was at pains in his prepared um, statement to point out that the, that everything was going to be safe. Um, you know, he said, Libra Association will not hold personal data of users beyond basic transaction information. Now, you could argue one way, well, that's my bank account details, isn't it? So I don't, you know, that that's uh, fairly personal. Um, and information will not be provided to Calibra, which is the digital wallet Facebook's developing to hold the cryptocurrency. Um, and it will not be shared uh, with the social media company. So it's saying it's all ring fenced. Nobody can touch it, including us. No one can do anything with it. So so don't mm. worry, it's all. Fantastic. I mean, but they, they said that about our you know our profile data about who we were dating and what our favorite yeah. color was, um, and they proved to not be able to steward that information very safely. So who's to say that they're going to keep our IBAN number or even uh, if they can. Yeah. <laughs> safe after i mean so i do think we need to draw lines between the cambridge analytica scandal and ensuing fine to libra and what they're now promising us because so far they've been fined 5 billion dollars with no strings attached on how they're held liable going forward and now they're promising us basically the same but with our money um, with libra Whereas before it was just personal information, mm. not just, it was personal information. So these are really, I mean, it's an interesting, uh, it, the timing of this is really interesting to be kind of putting a pin in Cambridge Analytica and moving over to Libra basically in the same day. Um, yeah. I, I can't help but feel that regulators are always one step behind. Mm. Um, so they're looking, they're looking at Libra, but they're missing the bigger picture. I mean, first of all, um, you know, most regulators didn't understand 
and are frankly relieved they didn't have to learn why uh, the Bitcoin <laughs> bubble happened um, in 2017. They don't really understand uh, the digital financial, the new emerging digital financial, it's not a system, whatever you call it, um, a digital financial appetite amongst people around the world. It's not an American thing. It's a global thing. Um, Facebook's Libra digital currency plans come from the a very sort of US, almost US centric point of view. And what's probably going to end up happening is Libra will be allowed, but it will be so ring fenced and so unambitious by the time it actually arrives that it'll be ho-hum and it won't solve Facebook's bigger problem, which is almost all of its revenues come from advertising. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this was its big Hail Mary pass right. to say this is how we're going to get out of, of, of that you know one revenue stream that is obviously cyclical. Mm -hmm. I think also it's, uh, the way um, Mr. Marcus spoke in his prepared statement shows a certain amount of um, worry on behalf of Facebook because he's, he said, I believe that if America does not lead innovation in the digital currency and payments area, others will. If we fail to act, meaning America rather than Facebook, uh, we could soon see a digital currency controlled by others whose values are dramatically different. Mm. It's Mark, it, Mr. Marcus is making this a an issue of patriotism rather yeah. than an issue uh, of it, it, uh, security. He's talking security, the language of security, mm -hmm. right? Of like mm -hmm. this almost the Huawei argument, right? Right. I mean, we must prosper lest others others do in our state. Yeah, exactly, but yeah. I mean, what I see now maybe happening in the next year with Libra is it just becomes a device for paying for our Spotify account. So <laughs> um, is it went from having this very ambitious, um, you know, we're going to bank the unbanked to the tune of hundreds of millions of people worldwide who just happen to have smartphones uh, to I think it's maybe going to just become a gimmick for um, buying clothes through Instagram and, you know, perhaps paying for your cell phone bill through Visa. When I think about who's part of the Libra consortium, that's kind of why I'm mentioning, you know, Spotify, MasterCard, Visa, Uber, all of these companies, you know, no money is yet to, no money's passed hands yet, although they've all pledged $10 million to be part of the consortium. And they all have right of first refusal to withdraw. But ultimately, this sounds like it's going to be a, another millennial toy and not really the big ambition that Facebook had for it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's difficult for Silicon Valley in general to kind of have that self-awareness of what they are. I mean, you know, they they the big companies are like, well, you know, we have good values. We're trying to do good things. They're so values driven and they came out with the initial line. It was so mission driven around banking the unbanked and it sounded like such untapped potential. Uh, but then right around what you're saying with self-awareness is yeah. Ultimately, what you're catering to is people hailing Ubers. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, the unbanked, their savior will never be Facebook, the unbanked. Mm. Unless mm -hmm. you're talking about people who literally choose not to have a bank account and put their money under a mattress. <laughs> right, which is a whole different sort it's, of person. Yeah, exactly. It's not, <laughs> it's not the unbanked in emerging markets. Right. They, they seem to say we're there for, but frankly, I mean, there are light years behind um, it's not digital currency, but you know what WeChat's doing or what mm -hmm. M-Pace is doing in Africa. I mean, mobile payments uh, in in other regions apart from the U.S. Are, are way ahead, even if they're not the latest cutting edge no, and, technology based on blockchain. No, and they don't actually need to be necessarily based on blockchain today in order for them to apply and meet people where they are yeah. and do what they need to be doing. I mean, the other thing about uh, Libra right now, the big question um, 
is they've kind of promised a fee-less solution. And one of the big questions is if they're going to be consumer-friendly and advocate for consumers, they're going to need to build in fees. That credit cards, there's a reason why we pay credit card fees. It's actually to, in some in some ways, actually just protect ourselves so that when fraud happens, consumers can get paid back and um, these systems can actually be policed. So it, there's both this like, okay, they're going to maybe end up doing something gimmicky, but also they have some major questions that they need to be held accountable to. That I think, yeah, I think also it, the, the timing seems a bit arbitrary in a way almost. I mean, we've had Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and uh, Litecoin and the others around for quite some time. Um, and also you look at the, the, the volatility of cryptocurrencies. I mean, Trump, just on Mr. Trump's criticism at the end of last week in a tweet, uh, unsurprisingly, and Bitcoin plummeted by more than 10%. Right. You know, yeah. Ethereum was down 27%. Cryptos are like just please Facebook, please step out of this arena because <laughs> it's creating um it's just creating a script for so many politicians and so many world leaders to come out and say this is how I really feel about cryptos, which has been very much the detriment of an already volatile uh mm. market. But it spurs it on. I mean the, yeah. the 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 adage of there's no such thing as bad publicity is crypto's motto. I mean, it, it all, because most people don't really understand it, but if they hear enough about it, they might buy it. It's weird. It's a strange, mm -hmm. it's a strange like relationship that, that is almost an alchemy. And also, I mean, maybe we're guilty of this also is we've never been so explanatory about cryptos as we have been since Facebook got involved. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we, uh, the meet the press, regulators, the companies themselves are all kind of coming forward in a much more vocal way to say, this is actually how it works, uh, which, yeah, to your point, it actually may open up the market even further for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, so it's a good, po good point there to leave it. Um, I'm sure we'll return to the subject of Facebook at yes. some point. <laughs> um, China's economy uh, has slowed to its weakest pace since quarterly data began in 1992. This is, of course, within the wider context of the trade standoff with the U.S. But GDP was up 6.2% in the April to June period. Um, now, that's even below the first quarter, which was at 6.4%, and certainly below what people had hoped at around 7% that China would be growing. Um, should we be worried, Chris? Um, personally, I, I don't think so. Um, it's still an enormous um, increase despite the fact that it's slowed and I think yes okay it's slowed you know for the the, the most since 27 years it's it's uh, the, you know the worst but you say worst in in it's in relative terms isn't it I mean you know what's the US going to come out uh, with you know it, it, this I think it's next week isn't it or this later this week the US data um, it's not going to be 5.8 percent that's for certain um, on on the plus side you know, you, you see manufacturing's ticked up, infrastructure investment has also ticked up by 4.1%. Now, that is quite an interesting figure because whilst on the one side, Beijing is is very upbeat about slow, lower figures, um, and indeed uh, the foreign ministry saying uh, it's uh, actually not a bad performance considering everything. However, the, the uh, infrastructure spending over the first six months doubled so, and that's usually a way of, of trying to boost your economy off the back of fears that it's going to slow further. So, um, whilst it's still a huge number, 
perhaps Beijing is thinking, yeah, we need, to, but we need to have some uh, some props in place, which is, dif- I think, slightly different. I mean, they're managing their economy. I mean, slower growth isn't the, the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world is is a quick drop, I guess. Um, I mean, a man- managing a you know a gentle. Mm-hmm. Sort of slower yeah. slowdown is is not the worst thing in the world. And China was like on the tip of everyone's tongues in the early aughts, and so it's sort of the, maybe they're finishing a marathon, and everyone kind of jogs in the last couple of miles of the marathon. So maybe or, or the first, if you're me, or you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or you if you bonk if you're bonking at mile yeah. twenty, <laughs> that's yeah. Maybe they're walking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah the slowdown, as Chris is saying, it's relative, and it's amid uh, you know heightened concerns amid. U.S.-China trade talks. Is there going to be a deal? Because Donald Trump says China's going to do a deal. And then more recently, the Chinese, you know, Beijing, the, the noise has been actually, why would we do a deal? Why would we? Uh, retail is picking up. Consumers seem confident. They're um, dumping a lot of money into their infrastructure. And so perhaps uh, Trump has not pinned them up against a wall as much as he had thought. So we're going to get a trade deal. I mean, Donald Trump says China's willing to talk and do a deal. and But the noise lately out of Beijing has, has been the opposite, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think that they've got some optimistic consumers. Retail is up. Consumer spending is up. They're investing heavily in, as Chris said, infrastructure. And so they're putting in place economic stimulus that, you know, maybe Trump doesn't have them as pinned against the wall as he thought he did. And what's the hurry is what Beijing perhaps is thinking. They, they do like to play the long game. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're still thinking about the French Revolution <laughs> and the impact of that. So, yes, I think Donald Trump may be out of office by the time yeah. the Chinese feel the pressure. Uh-huh. Yes, Trump is thinking in terms of four-year increments, uh, which is a very large departure. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's stay with investor confidence, um, the perspective of it, maybe this time in frontier mar- markets. Um, Pakistani politicians are quite rightly angry um, and uh, analysts are a little bit concerned after the World Bank um, gave uh, what is South Asia's second largest economy a $6 billion uh, damages award, or not award, punishment for refusing to honor a mining lease to the international conglomerate behind Taithan Copper. It's a joint venture between uh, Antofagasta of Chile and Canada's Barrick Gold. And this has been going on for some time. And um, they feel, you know, they've been trying to get some kind of recompense for investments that they have done that they feel that they were let down with when it comes to Pakistan. But I mean, the, the long story short of this is this isn't going to boost um, the, the confidence of companies looking to, to get into Pakistan, right? Looking to, to, to get into big, big projects there, large scale projects. I think particularly with a company the size of Antofagasta, it's, um, you know, they, they've obviously made concerted efforts um, to get in there because, I mean, there are, you know, for a miner, there's a, there's a lot of potential there. Um, you know, Barrick and Antofagasta saying that the proposed plant about which one of these, you know, one of the problems is could produce 600,000 tonnes of copper, 250,000 uh, ounces of gold a year. Now, you know, th- those um, things are there for the companies that want to go and get them. But if they're going to be in this kind of trouble, even even though those resources are there, it's not. It doesn't look like it's worth the effort. So I think it is a problem. And of course, the six billion comes just weeks after uh, the Prime Minister Imran Khan secured six billion bailout from the IMF. So what happens to that? Well, it's interesting because the IMF and the World Bank are not unconnected. Mm. So I mean, six billion from one, six billion, <laughs> yeah. you know, taketh away. 
Um, Imran Khan really needs a win on yeah. the economic financial front. I mean, he was doing well at the beginning. He was talking to Gulf uh, allies about you know getting funds in. He's talked to the to the multilateral lenders as well. I mean, the Chinese have been investing in Pakistan ongoing wise, but he hasn't seemed to have a break here. And you know, really, everyone agrees that there's a lot of a lot of potential there. Everyone says that for a long time. And, and you see, you know, Dubai-based companies like Kareem, for example, uh, the ride-hailing uh, platform that is in Pakistan doing well, believing in that market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's no reason why companies can't succeed. Right. It's a massive market. It represents so much potential. And then for the World Bank to come out with a 700-page uh, investigation outlining all of their misdeeds and then slapping them with the $6 billion fine, it's just like... Uh, yeah, it's going to shake investor confidence, and it's it's not a good thing in the short term at all. And it, it kind of t will will affect all frontier markets, any markets in that classification, because international investors tend to uh, look broadly and say, well, it's a bit risky there. Um, maybe you know, given the current climate globally, I won't be thinking about making big plans in that part of the world. And and you know, that we we need. Um, there to be more optimism. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of an example of was this fair play? The mining company invested hundreds of millions of dollars to even find the deposits and then were denied the lease to mine for said deposits. Uh, so they were rightly angry. And um, this concludes, yeah, a multi year protracted argument between Pakistan in this company. I mean, um, maybe, I mean, according to Imran Khan, maybe, you know, this could be a good thing. Uh, they're going to investigate this, see who's responsible for the result of this loss. And, and ultimately, you know, this internal review could, you know, could realize which areas that Pakistan needs to work on to, to improve the, the climate for investment. Guys, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you so much, Kelsey and Chris. Pleasure, Mustafa. Do join us again next time, uh, both of you and the listener. Uh, and if you're subscribing, do please to this show on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you're listening on. Uh, leave us a review, a good one. And uh, let us thank our producer, Aisha Khan. And do join us again next time. Next time.